to discuss some affordability, we welcome back into the program Moshe Lander, economics professor at Concordia University. Good day, sir. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I know you recently were in our city, and I failed to get you back on the show at the time, but I'm wondering how affordable you found Winnipeg. I found it very affordable, given that I continued on to Calgary from there, where it's much less affordable, <laughs> and given that I shuttled between there and Montreal, where it's also much less affordable, Winnipeg was uh, a relative deal, and, uh, you know, I happened to be in a location around Portage and Maine. There were some good buys around there, but uh, I think they're going to be snapped up pretty quickly, and, and you know, Manitoba is going to have the same problems as the rest of Canada uh, on the same scale, too. So, Moshe, that, that's the thing, right? Like, we talk about this across the country, and the reality is is that other cities are, are more expensive than Winnipeg. But given the demographics of our province and, and minimum wage and everything else, um, it's still an issue. Where are we on affordability overall, basically in Manitoba, but also across our country? It's a problem. Uh, our incomes certainly haven't kept pace with inflation, so that means that our purchasing power is being eroded uh, and that means that we can't maintain the same standard of living. Even once you factor in uh, price changes, weight changes, it's a problem. Uh, but, of course, the solution that most people have is, well, we should just get higher wages. The catch there, of course, is you can't get higher wages without doing something to earn it. And that's where the, the rub comes in. So whether it's in Winnipeg or whether it's in Vancouver, uh, this is the issue that everybody's encountering right now. And uh, it's creating real problems for, for all Canadians, not just low-income ones. And so along those lines, um, how are we doing overall in this province and, and the issues that we face, do you find? So Manitoba has a, a, an interesting demographic because it's, relatively speaking, a province of give or take a, a million, million and a half people, but 75, 80% of them all live in greater Winnipeg, right? So you have extreme concentration where you still have to fund the entire infrastructure of the province, right? You still have to see Churchill and, and uh, Portage. So the, the problem is that you can't rely on everybody living in one location, uh, but it's a chicken and the egg argument. To try and push people into other parts of the province, you have to have jobs out there. Uh, you have to have housing. You have to have an infrastructure that makes them want to move, but nobody wants to build that unless you know people are going to move. And so you're in the circular argument that Winnipeg just keeps sucking in more and more people from the province and outside the province when people are immigrating into Canada. And it's overwhelming the city then in a way that it, it's making it almost impossible to finance. This is intriguing because um, this is something that I've been wondering about, and, and that's how do we retain people. What are the economics around having a bigger population? What are the economics about people maybe going to university here, growing up here, and then moving away? Um, trying to retain doctors, trying to retain nurses, all of that is an issue here in Manitoba. If there were more people staying or coming here, how would that affect either negatively or positively the overall economy and affordability? It would broaden the tax base, and so, of course, that's always a good thing. And presumably, people that are moving to Winnipeg are, generally speaking, going to be younger. Uh, and so that means then that if you can retain them, they're going to be there for 40, 50 years of working life rather than drawing in people that are in their 70s and are going to be a drain on the public system because they're not working uh, and they're using up, say, the health services and things like that. So uh, certainly uh, drawing people into the province is not a bad thing. Uh, retaining them is rather easy if you can offer them that there's a quality of life there. And by relative Canadian standards, Winnipeg is a big city. So uh, if you're coming to Canada, uh, it should be attractive. The problem that Winnipeg's going to have is that the city council needs to think about 
what exactly do they want Winnipeg to look like? And the problem that they're going to have is a problem that is experienced in Calgary and Edmonton, which is there's no natural border to stop the expansion. So when people move and they want backyards and they want picket fences, um, the city is just going to expand without limit. There's not a natural border the way the Pacific Ocean constrains uh, Vancouver or the island of Montreal constrains Montrealers. Um, if the city keeps expanding out, the costs rise exponentially because you still have to link up all of those expanding neighborhoods to police, fire, water, sewage, schools, um, and, and that's where the costs take off, and that's where it becomes a problem then, that people moving say, I don't like all of these taxes. Um, and, and so that's the type of thing that needs to be thought through now before the onslaught of people arrive. And even with the entire country dealing with inflation and affordability and all that, is that still a positive of Manitoba? Like, if you do go to Calgary, if you do go... Like, I'm from Alberta. I grew up there. I moved here in 2005 from B.C. Uh, to work in the media. I love it here. Uh, the winters are rough. We all know that, everything like that. But the one thing that keeps coming back to me is when I talk to friends in Vancouver and Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, or wherever, they're like... You know, they, you can afford a house here. You, it's tough. Like it's inflation. It's Manitoba, but um, it, compared to the other cities, it's it's weird how like doctors, nurses. I get it. They make money. They can go make more money somewhere else and afford those things. Is that not supposed to be a, a positive for our province? Is is the fact that you know, like I had a buddy who moved to. I was here five years. He moved in the media from Calgary, sold his house there, and bought mortgage free here. Uh, those days are over, but is that not something that should attract more people to Manitoba? Is the affordability of it compared to the rest of the country? It should be, and that's the thing then, that if you're uh, you know, Manitoba government-to-be, uh, that's the thing that you want to be shouting from the rooftops, right? Alberta is doing their Alberta calling uh, promotion where they're trying to draw people in on low taxes and lots of sunshine. So Winnipeg, of course, is not going to promote its winters, but it can promote that, hey, if you move here... You might not be able to outright buy a house, but you certainly are going to be able to afford a bigger place than you would in other cities. Uh, what Winnipeg has to think about then is, you know, there's more to life than just having a house, right? It's also what are you going to be able to do with your disposable income and how are you going to be able to spend your free time? And so, you know, beyond the jets uh, and, and that particular part of town... Uh, Winnipeg can be very desolate at times, right? And I know, having lived there for two months, um, there's lots of natural beauty there along the Red River. But when you're looking for something to do on a Friday night or Saturday night, if you don't have that liveliness, not on a level of Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, but if you don't have it, then people are going to say, it's great that I can have a house, but what am I going to do other than just sit around that house? I need to go somewhere else. Well, and that's what I wanted to lead into. I'm glad you brought that up because you and I both have our, our the pulse of the youth in this country right now in this province. We're hip to it and everything else. But seriously, um, uh, like how that reflects, because I hear more and more from the 20-year-olds that they're like, I, look, if it looks like I can't afford a house, I'm not going to live my life chained to a mortgage. I, I'm going to live my life. And then that sort of, the positive of affordability in our province kind of goes out the window if you're kind of going... It's too expensive, so I'd rather do other things. Then you're going to go to places where you can do a lot of other things. Yeah, and there is a generational disconnect, right? Uh, people that grew up in the 20th century were more about acquiring possessions. And I think people born in the 21st century are maybe a little bit more about acquiring experiences. And so a house is great. And, of course, it's the number one complaint amongst many people in the 18 to 35 demographic that they can't afford a house. Uh, but if they're more interested in their... Uh, experience and what they can post on social media and how they can share that with their friends, 
a house is nice, but it's not the essential. And so, again, it's one of those things that from an urban planning standpoint, what is it exactly that Winnipeg envisions itself being in 10, 20 years? Uh, I couldn't help but walk around up, you know, Portage and Maine and uh, all around the downtown area and just say, this looks like Edmonton did 20 years ago uh, or 30 years ago. And so as Edmonton and Calgary go, I guess Winnipeg is going to go too. But of course, can you wait 20 or 30 years to be able to offer uh, the Calgary way of life uh, and, and still manage to maintain uh, the core infrastructure? I crave for our city, our province to be proactive. I, I crave for it to sort of look 20 years down the road so that 20 years from now, we're not being reactive to things. I, I find we're always reacting in this province. Having been here and knowing the rest of the country, how much would that benefit, you know, the economy or, or uh, I guess, work with affordability? Proactivity and foresight is hugely important, right? If you know that inflation is coming, you can prepare for it. If you know housing prices are going to take off, you can prepare for it. If you know the cost of living is going to get more expensive, you can prepare for it. The problem is that governments of any shape of any side left or right are going to say why do i want to invest my political capital now in a vision for winnipeg and a vision for manitoba 20 years down the line when i'm not going to be around to take credit for everything that happened right unfortunately the way that we think is whoever's in power at the time is responsible for whatever we experience at the time so when winnipeg has its golden age in 20 years whoever that mayor is is going to say this is because of me not the person 20 years ago that thought in advance about needing to lay out highways and infrastructure to build for a population that's going to be two million people so it's good to be proactive it's just politicians don't want to put that investment in if they can't take credit for it yeah fair enough and and that's the sort of and i get that too right like it's about the next as soon as this election's over it's about the next one it's not about the one 20 years from now and, and that's it. And so it's unfortunately, you know, like the, the solution, of course, is dictatorship where you say, well, I can afford to take the 20 year decision. But of course, that would go completely against the idea of democracy. And so within the democracy that we have, uh, unfortunately, you have short termism when it comes to decision making. And it's once a generation where you have that uh, mayor, that premier that comes along and says, I'm going to take that decision. And you can hate me now for all of the costs that I'm bringing upon you. But you will remember me later for everything that I've done. Um, it's just they're becoming fewer and fewer far between because they too are getting sucked into a social media world where you can X out in 140 characters, uh, you know, construction this, delays this, uh, and, and all of the problems that come around it, and, and that scares them off. I'm simplifying this too much, and I forget how old it was when the GST came in, but I remember my father being uh, um, upset about it, and I remember telling him, this will never go away. It doesn't matter which party's in power. This thing will stay here forever because it will sort of benefit us going forward from, from that tax revenue. And here we are so many years later, the GST is still there. No party who's been in power has gotten rid of it. They've diminished it a little bit, but it's sort of that thing that I kind of, I'm, and I'm not a big Brian Mulroney fan, but I was like, this guy's going to be remembered 50 years from now. And, and that's it. That's, you know, it does take that once in a generation sort of, of shift. And so, uh, again, it, it's becoming fewer and fewer far between. And, and Brian Mulroney, good or bad, was able to withstand criticism because it was only coming from three networks and two newspapers right. rather than coming from 40 million people with thumbs. So that, that's the difference then between the Brian Mulroney of the 1980s and a potential Ben Mulroney of the 2030s. <laughs> yeah, great, great point there as well, right? So I appreciate it as always. Always great having you on and always great conversation. And I'm glad you got a chance to spend a couple months in our city. 
Loved it. Anytime you want. Awesome. Thank you. Moshe Lander, economics professor at Concordia University on affordability.